So can you kind of walk me through how would that maybe change how we would set up a particular government program, a school? Yeah, or let's a... talk about a school. Let's talk about a school. So I think what it does is it takes us, well, it takes us much closer to the methods of anthropology than to natural science. I'm designing a school. I will see if our editor can put in at this point in our discussion, mm -hmm. a picture. And the picture is a guy lying in bed with a thermometer in his mouth and a camcorder uh, okay. held in his hand. Now, what mm -hmm. do you think he's doing? What do you think he's doing? Um, I'm not sure he's checking his, a thermometer he, in his mouth and a camcorder in his. Yeah, he's a designer oh, and, and he's a designing a hospital. Okay. Uh-huh. Okay. So he's trying to notice the hospital, to experience the hospital from the okay. patient point of view. Perspective. So gets, and when he gets back to the office and he puts the camcorder video and watches mm -hmm. what from the video, what do you think's on the video? Roofs. The roofs, yeah. Nothing on them. Uh, right. Except love and video. And he thinks, oh, I hadn't really thought about that before. Mm -hmm. Um so and and you could you I mean I won't dwell on this because our readers aren't Polanyi specialists like yeah, you yeah. are but you can see that Polanyi would be kind of turned on by this because he's mm -hmm. thinking of science as the, pro the the most important thing about science is the creative act the noticing act the questioning is, act is the, the synthesizing act mm -hmm. and so that's what and so if you think of knowledge as embodied if you think of knowledge as ultimately purposive then uh, don't just go get a camcorder and show me lots of pictures of hospitals. You could have an amazing amount of information about hospitals, videos about hospitals, tables of, you know, how many patients go through exactly. and all the rest of it. But you have to, but if you want to make a hospital that is good for patients, which most people would agree is a good thing for a hospital to be, exactly. you have to build that knowledge. Exactly. Uh, and, and it's entirely likely that all of the knowledge that you have about hospitals isn't built like that. Mm -hmm. It's like going out and building a bridge with a whole bunch of tables about the structural strength of materials mm -hmm. when there are a million other questions about how you stick the materials together and whether mm -hmm. they work in the cold and the wet and, mm -hmm. and, and what, whether you can paint them and what they're next to. and, and yeah. All of this stuff has to be constructed. Yeah. Um, and we're not, we don't, we don't, we don't think about that. We kind of know it. Mm -hmm. uh, and if, if you point it out, people think you haven't pointed out anything. But mm -hmm. I think you've pointed out a great deal. And mm -hmm. so if we designed our schools by thinking about noticing, thinking that mm -hmm. noticing, documenting, testing, varying around little things that you notice mm -hmm. and you become knowledgeable about, um, about this thing that you're trying mm -hmm. to make it, um, mm -hmm. rather than say, well, here's a person with a PhD in education, and he's mm -hmm. gonna, he's gonna, he's the expert on this, and he's gonna sort things out for you. Welcome to Uncomfortable Collisions with Reality, and on today's episode, I'm going to be talking with a friend of mine, Martin Turkus, uh, who is a high school teacher and a philosophy PhD, uh, in that order, actually. He's been a high school teacher for a lot longer than he's been a philosophy uh, PhD, but we uh, met in a uh, group uh, which was uh, in a group, uh, in a uh, Google group, um, 
uh, talking about Michael Polanyi, the mm -hmm. uh, philosopher of science. Uh, I'm going to pass to Martin to further introduce himself, and then I'm going to uh, introduce what we're going to talk about. Over to you, Martin. Yeah, thanks. Um, yeah, thanks for having me, um, Nick. Uh, yeah, I've been teaching for a while and um, reading, studying various things, and finished PhD in philosophy, focusing on the metaphysics of Michael Polanyi. Um, my argument is that he was a an undercover Platonist, uh, though he may not have been aware of that himself. So books coming out, I don't know, maybe in a year or so on Paul Grave Macmillan. So um, I've, I'm sure everybody will be rushing to the bookstore to buy the metaphysics <laughs> yeah. of Michael Polanyi. Yeah, well, um, I'm sure that we've probably lost about three quarters of our audience already. But yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> you can edit that out later. You can, you can yeah, chop yeah, that out later. You haven't lost me, even though I try and steer clear of terms like metaphysics and <laughs> epistemological. And I... I claim never to have understood what ontological means, but people have explained it to me in it. Yeah. You know. Anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so I thought that you would be a great person to talk to about something, which is that I think, uh, and this, and Michael, well, yes, in some ways, Michael Polanyi was interested in mm -hmm. this great topic of 20th century philosophy, which is the way in which we have become mesmerized by science as the paradigm of knowledge. Uh, so I'll just try and say a couple of things about what I'm not saying. Uh, mm -hmm. And that's important because the 20th century is dominated because everybody was so impressed with science for obvious reasons. We should be impressed with science. Mm -hmm. um, because everyone was so impressed with science, there was a, a kind of um, a land claim, a land rush uh, uh, for the credit of being scientific. Everyone wanted to associate themselves with science. Uh, and then there were all these other things that weren't science. Obviously, religion is not science, uh, although perhaps some people, there are some ways one might argue against that. But obviously, religion is not science. Art is not science uh, and so on. Uh, now, the, the term scientism has been coined and it was used by Frederick Hayek and also Ludwig Wittgenstein, I think, and they meant something somewhat different. Hayek said that economics was scientistic and a great deal of uh, many of what we call the social sciences were scientistic. And what he meant was that they ape the methods of the natural sciences and therefore claim to be scientific. And so the study of society, or the, even the study of economics is full of the kinds of mathematical and formal tools which people use in the physical sciences, in the natural sciences. And the idea is that if you do enough of that, the truth will emerge. And there's a marvellous quote, in fact, from uh, the, from Paul Samuelson, the, the great mid-century uh, economist who says that he thought that uh, if you did all this stuff, eventually the truth would emerge and eventually mm -hmm. a kind of an understood truth would emerge from all this rigor. And, and he said mm. when he was in his seventies or eighties, well, that ain't true. We didn't get there. Mm -hmm. uh, Wittgenstein, I don't know if he used the term scientism, but he had a similar view that we were overawed by science. And then of course, a lot of European philosophers, I think Heidegger, not that I know anything about Heidegger, mm -hmm. uh, but well, I think Nietzsche as well have this idea that we have taken science as 
the paradigm of all knowledge and, and, and it's paralyzed us, uh, first of all, by, by constraining what we think of as knowledge and then stigmatizing all those things that are adjacent to science. Now, I want to make a, uh, you know, well, I want to make this, I, I want to make a point which is this, that um, we're constantly going on about science. Um, it's always a good thing to say that what you're doing is scientific, but uh, a, a um, economist, philosopher, cyberneticist, guy called Herbert Simon, distinguished between science and design. So, and, 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 the way, and I've got a little aphorism for explaining this, which is that science is about the universe that is, and design is about the multiverse and the version of that multiverse that we might want to inhabit and that we might be able to build. So if you're doing engineering, it's not... Now, Now I'll back up a bit. Um, so we typically think of science and then anti-science, you know, the sort of Richard Dawkins religion and so on. Mm -hmm. And um, both Karl Popper, who's more famous than Michael Polanyi, but also Michael Polanyi, were mesmerized, were, were very focused on science and trying to say what is science and what is not science. Um, and so they were thinking about things like, is Marxism scientific? Is psychoanalysis scientific? Um, and that's not what I want to focus on. What I want mm -hmm. to focus on is this idea that engineering is scientific in one sense, which is that clearly it's trying to deal with the universe as it is, but it is trying to make the universe different. And so it is trying to change things. And that, to me, is a huge... That that, that sounds like... Uh, I can imagine some people listening to this and saying, yeah, that's you haven't said anything interesting yet. <laughs> that's true, but so what? Uh, mm -hmm. But I'm also thinking I should... Um, uh, let you get a word in edgeways before I try and say a bit more about why I think that's significant. You, have you got any responses to any of that? Yeah, well, I mean, of course, Popper and Polanyi have come to pretty different conclusions mm. about um, that's what science is. Yeah. And um, and then Polanyi, in, in my view, is more on target, not mm -hmm. least because he's actually a very accomplished practicing physical chemist. Um, yeah. And his with, focus with, is on science, not on the demarcation. He thinks, yeah. the, demar he thinks the demarcation between science and non-science is interesting, but mm -hmm. his, his philosophy of science is a, a homage to science and is useful to scientists in some ways, I think. Mm -hmm. he's, mm -hmm. he's useful in understanding what science is. And in fact... Mm -hmm. The interesting thing is that the way Polanyi understands science as a as a uh, well as a as a a process that begins in a subjective sense in a range mm -hmm. of subjective senses and 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 reaches for the objective um, mm -hmm. that's actually useful for for engineering as well the the the, the kernel of creativity is shared between mm -hmm. pure natural science, which is about investigating the one universe that does exist and necessarily mm -hmm. exists, and a process of engineering, whether it is trying to engineer a better social security system, whether it's trying to engineer mm -hmm. a bridge, um, it begins in an act of creativity, not an mm -hmm. act of objectivity. Um, 
so I I have to agree with you um, that, mm-hmm. that that's uh, yeah I, I, we, uh, and and we're in a minority, Martin, because most people think that Popper's a much greater philosopher of science than Polanyi, mm-hmm. and Polanyi finished his life thinking that Popper was pretty useless, actually, which is roughly yeah. what happened. Yeah, and Wittgenstein apparently threatened him with a fire poker. Okay. With a poker, that's right. <laughs> yeah. he, 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 he took it, took it, took it a little further even than Polanyi. Yeah, well, I know also, a person. I, I know a person who has uh, written some very great biographies of philosophers, um, living and dead, and uh, he was asked by his publisher to write a biography of Popper, and he was interested in this, and he spent a day with Popper, and after he spent the day with Popper, he said to his publisher, there's no way I want to write a biography of that man. One has to have some sympathy for one's subject. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. I suppose you can't, say, who the friend, you can, oh, you can't say the friend's name, well, can you? Well, I'll turn you off camera. But okay. um, uh, the other great line, of course, which is well known, is... Um, uh, the other great line, which is well known, is uh, that Popper's book should have been called "The Open Society" by one of its enemies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because Popper uh, really, but because Popper really cared whether you agreed with him or not, him he or not, cared about yeah. that much more than the Open society, society and good debate and all those kinds of things. Yeah. Well, yeah, and so I mean, one thing that I would find it interesting to point out is. Um, Polanyi definitely, as I was mentioning before we're recording, I think in in personal knowledge has some pretty significant sections where he compares technology to pure science. And he does maintain that there are differences along the lines that I think you're maintaining, right? Though he tends to be, Polanyi this, this is, doing so in the interest of Main, trying to defend the value of pure science, yes, even if it doesn't have an immediately yeah. obvious yeah. way of being cashed out in yeah. engineering or technology. But on the other hand, th- and this this is what gets me interested. So Polanyi's theory, w- which you know a lot about, of tacit knowing, essentially blurs those lines to some extent. It doesn't equate science with religion or with art. I think those are the two other spheres of human activity you you kind of juxtaposed to science earlier. Yeah. Um, but, and, and uh, I can't remember, was it uh, somebody, Simon, you said, compared science to design. But one thing Herbert, that... Herbert that, Simon. Herbert Simon. Herbert Simon. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but one thing that, that, that is interesting, and I don't know Simon's work, so I can't comment, too and too much depth on it but that little nugget one thing that it misses is that to do science you have to do design so for instance when michael polanyi was gonna leave nazi germany um because of his jewish background and move to university of manchester one of the haggling points um with the university of manchester is he said well you have to pay for my glass blower to come with me yes and you have to get and there the problem they had was well we're supposed to use our union glass blowers here and Polanyi's response was there's only one human being in the world who can blow the glass tubes that I need to do the particular experiments that you want me to come and do there um, and so he has to come and he has to at least they ended up I think compromising the German glassblower could come and work in Manchester for a year 
in order to train a British glassblower right. oh, to wow. do the work, which is another interesting element of that tacit handoff, right? Yeah. Of the, yeah, the tacit know-how. Yeah. But, but that's just something that often in the public's perception of science gets lost. So, you know, yeah. I mean, what's a modern yeah. example? Yeah. The Hadron Collider. Yes. You know, yeah. that had to be designed and built and yes. built to spec. Um, yeah. So there's... There's that blurring of the lines, which which I think is is of interest, and that's all in Polanyi. Whereas Popper's demarcation would just never be able to handle that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That messiness on the edges, yeah. right? Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah, that makes sense. I've just, a, a couple of things. Um, mm -hmm. uh, these are kind of asides, um, mm -hmm. but firstly, the fact that that it, you told you, you've also told me about uh, that Polanyi had some patents. And the, do you know that the very first, the patent, the whole origin of patents is tied up with glass blowing in Venice. Uh, oh, I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the Venetians developed patents and they, uh, I think what they, they were, they were both trying to attract glass blowers and keep them in Venice. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so they got various kinds of patents on their skills and, um, and it was all about trying to close up the mm -hmm. the Venetians' uh, control of glass blowing technology. The other thing about Polanyi saying I've got to have my glass blower, it just <laughs> this is just it's just there's no really direct connection. It just reminded me of that he sounded like um, Frank Lloyd Wright, who having designed the Guggenheim and been told that he would need a door down in the basement that was at least so high and he basically just ignored the instructions and they said how do we get the jackson pollocks in and he said well cut them in half <laughs> so he had a he had a solution to that um anyway uh so let me then go on to my the the the, the point that i'm trying to make which is mm -hmm. um that um the more i've thought about this well I got myself interested in an area of, um, well, it's it's actually, um, it's an area written by a guy, a, a bunch of people write about it. Some of them are philosophers, a guy called Andy Clark at the University of Edinburgh is one of them, and some of them are roboticists. Mm -hmm. And this is the field of embodied cognition. And mm -hmm. embodied cognition um, is looks at the way we actually do things. And, of course, this is close to Polanyi because as people or some people who are watching this know, Polanyi's um, name is synonymous with this thing you've already mentioned, tacit knowledge, this fact mm -hmm. that there are so many things that we do, including the way in which I'm, cho I'm choosing to arrange words in a particular order in this sentence, and I have no idea how I'm doing any of this, mm -hmm. but I'm managing to encode the the words and the sounds in such a way mm -hmm. that that there's a that, that we that it actually conveys some meaning, and all of that mm -hmm. is a complete mystery to me. As is exactly how I walk, how I throw a ball, mm -hmm. uh, how I understand a facial expression, how mm -hmm. I understand that your children look have a family resemblance to you, something mm -hmm. that Wittgenstein wrote about, and so on. These are all incredibly important and in some ways more important parts of our knowledge than the formal bits of knowledge that we get to write down there. Everything we do is based on those things. Mm -hmm. And and then and, and this brings us back, I think, in some ways to your example of, of the design that goes into science. We acquire... Uh, uh, the best way to make this point, I think, is 
those rather ghastly experiments that people did on cats in the 1950s. You know these experiments where they immobilized a cat's head in the first three weeks of its life and all it could see was vertical lines while it is being fed and kept alive and it can only, its visual field, and of course it's not just the eyes but the eyes and the brain as a system, get to see visual lines and then they let the cat go and teach it to walk and stuff and it can't see horizontal lines. Um, it bumps into anything that's horizontal and can see things that are vertical. Um, now, what's the point of that example? Well, the point of it is that our senses do not give us objective information about anything. Our senses help us interact with the world. Mm -hmm. That's true of uh, that's true of a bison wandering through the prairie wondering if a cougar's going to try and take a piece out of it, if uh, some Indians are after it, if it can stand on the mud near a creek and drink from the creek. Uh, it sees all these things in the words of the, of, of the psychologist who, um, who, who thought about, about a lot of this stuff in the, well, over his lifetime leading to the 70s, a guy called J.J. Gibson. It sees the world in terms of affordances. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't say the world is a set of objective facts. It says <coughs> the world consists of creeks, and creeks have got water in them, which I need to drink, and they've mm -hmm. got a side where the water stops, and I need to stand. That is mm -hmm. an, And if, I, if I'm going to stand on it and I just disappear into the creek, it's not much use to me. Um, mm -hmm. So everything is seen in terms of what it affords us to, mm -hmm. if you like, lead a better life, lead, mm -hmm. which can mean as much as get a drink right now. Mm -hmm. And then you generalise from there. Now, what I'm getting at, therefore, is that science, isn't, science conceives of itself as simply a set of propositions, um, uh, at, which are approximations to reality. Uh, we know that... Uh, it is much a much better reflection of reality to say that the Earth goes round the Sun than that the mm -hmm. Sun goes round the Earth, um, mm -hmm. and maybe we'll revise that in some way or other at some stage. It, I'm sure it won't get back to the reverse of that, but we'll have more to say about mm -hmm. it. But that that is a passive definition of a state of affairs, and it sort of doesn't really concern us. If mm -hmm. we're trying to send a rocket to the Moon or to Mars, it does concern us. Um, but we will want to know, uh, we, we will, but, but the problem will be that if we just read what we can find out by people who were just trying to figure out what was happening, there will be a vast amount of knowledge that's not available to us, like how you slow down the rocket when you've got there. Uh, mm -hmm. and, and, and so, and that's the engineering part. And what I'm saying is that's more fundamental than science. Science is an input to that. <laughs> Uh, mm -hmm. And the way I said it to you just before we started was um, you can know an incredible amount about materials and steel and still not have built a bridge. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. you, you actually need some stuff, you need some of that stuff to build a bridge, but you, it, the, the, the task of building the bridge is a world in itself which defines mm -hmm. what you need to know and what you need to do. Mm -hmm. And we don't really get that. We have this idea... And I'm thinking, well, I won't go on any further, but I just finished a discussion with someone recently about well-being 
uh, in policy. And the idea is if you measure it, you'll be able to make, you'll be able to improve well-being. And that's not true. You have to measure mm-hmm. it precisely in order to improve it. And that's a diff. And, and so um, saying we should measure well-being to improve well-being is like saying we should know everything about all materials so we can build bridges. Well, mm-hmm. we need to know some stuff about materials, but there's a whole lot of other things we need to know and we need to shape our knowledge around what we want to do and what we need to do. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, there's, I mean, this, this isn't something that I could cite research on, but it seems pretty intuitively obvious that, for example, just in human history or even with the way... Um, you know, primates use simple tools like a stalk of bamboo or a long blade of yeah. grass to get ants yeah. out or something yeah. like that. Yeah. That there's that, that I guess, it's design perfect. thinking or engineering hacks yes. are prior to yes. some kind of a more abstracted well, they're prior science to, in the contemporary sense. Yeah, I, I'd right? say they're prior to, they're prior to mm-hmm. in their foundations and in some senses they're greater than. Mm-hmm. That's my claim. That's my claim. Sure. Okay. Yeah. For us, for us we are purposive <laughs> beings. So for right. us, science, I mean, science has to exist on its own terms, and its own terms are to investigate the universe that is, not sure. to speculate about versions of the multiverse that we want. But then that's what we need to do because we want to, um, be, because that's its most fundamental thing for human beings, its role in getting us the life we want. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I, no, I don't think I disagree. I don't think I disagree with that. Um, I mean, would it would the term maybe uh, be helpful to kind of flesh out? Your, so that because for the most part, most of us or all of us, to a significant extent, whether we're scientists or not, are concerned to to a certain extent impose our own chosen taloses on the world around us right or have kind of a human directed teleology yeah i'm just going to explain that to anyone who doesn't know what it or or doesn't get your accent telos is you know the end of something the 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 the, the destination the intended Mm -hmm. destination something Mm -hmm. like that anyway sorry you go on yeah, no, well, so, I mean, so there there are, well, I mean, I'm a believer in natural teleology, not everybody is, but, um, uh, but yeah, that's uh, uh, sort of yeah. a part of the whole discussion here, right, that yes. Polanyi's open to it, Popper's not, but yeah. that, you know, I would say you as a living being are a teleological being in terms yeah. of just well, your just body's purposes. processes, yeah, like yeah. it's, your keep, your heart's beating, right, your, yeah, feeling hungry when you need some additional nutrition and yeah. this is all to keep you going, right? That's the purpose. That's the talos yeah. of the destination. But yeah. then also you're interested in economics and yeah. this becomes right. a more human chosen, right? Uh, it's sort of maybe a, a second order type of talos. It's not one that just, you know, bubbles up in an obvious way from the physical elements of an organism. Um, you know, so yeah. you are excited about a new piece of policy that might might come to fruition that you've had a hand in or something like this. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I, I think that everybody has a big stake in those kind of human directed purposes that may require harnessing different elements of of the world out there and science. Um, 
One thing that occurred to me too, see what you think of this though, is that, um, you know, it's kind of cool to know things. So, so there's a certain sense in which uh, a kind of a, an approach to pure science to those of us who are interested in it, um, supplies a particular affordance. Yes. Right. Yes. So, so yep. that, that, you know, when, uh, you know, sort of, uh, you know, what was it like the, the, the Galilean Revo or Copernican revolution, right. Figuring out what's really orbiting, what gives a certain kind of a satisfaction. <clears throat> yes. Yeah. Which, you, you know, and, and maybe that's a satisfaction that's not really at a basic level of something like Maslow's hierarchy of needs, but it's, it's, it's also got its own affordances that it gives and so on and so forth. That may be more accessible to some than to others, but, um, yeah. but that, that's another way in which I would maybe, I'm kind of trying to play the gadfly a little bit and blur yeah. the distinction slightly between technology and, and science, or maybe what I'm trying, what, maybe what I would, would, what I would say is, um, I'm not convinced. So I think Polanyi would disagree with you somewhat, but I think that would be, from my perspective, in in light of the fact that I don't necessarily think Polanyi quite grasped all of the um, implications of his own theories. Mm, no, he was a bit impatient so, with some of them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so, so I guess I guess um, science, as Popper conceived it, absolutely, I think falls so, before yeah. your arguments. But I'm not totally sure that science is actually practiced most of the time it still might kind of be no, no, that's on true. the borderline that's, true. that's yeah. true that if you have a if you have a flawed understanding of what science is then you will find that you will imagine to yourself that science is um doing one thing and subtly mm -hmm. it's doing something else and mm -hmm. um i think that's sort of what you were suggesting and mm -hmm. yeah I, let me let me unpack that business about mm -hmm. teleology or purposiveness mm -hmm. um i was looking in this essay that i this long essay that i've written on polanyi to see if i could find it. it's a marvelous quote and i think i think um it's not there but uh, you might remember the quote um i can't quite uh conceptualize but he says it's a sort of guilty secret of 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 biologists that they feel uncomfortable talking about purpose because it implies that nature has got purposes. Mm -hmm. But um, it, it, he makes an analogy which might uh, which might now suffer from political incorrectness because he talks, <laughs> yeah. about talks about loose women or something. But uh -huh. but um, uh, but the 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 argue yeah so um, he he makes i'm just trying to i'm just trying to yes he says okay so we agree that we're going to talk about our body as if god didn't embed purposes into it which sounds mm -hmm. terrific um and that was of course the revolt against aristotle who who i don't know enough aristotle to be sure of exactly the claim but I, you know aristotle mm -hmm. said that the planets move because they want to kind of thing you know and it's mm -hmm. in their nature to move and and it had all kinds of stuff like that and that all got thrown out and then we said well we'll have to do that with biology too we mm -hmm. can't say that the heart pumps blood because the heart its telos is to pump blood but Hang on a minute. It's Delos. He's to pump it's blood. To pump blood uh, yeah. You know, it wouldn't mm -hmm. have evolved. It evolved to pump blood. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. And so the thing is just saturated with purpose. Mm -hmm. um, 
and and so so again design mm-hmm. is the more if if we're going to go with this distinction between design and science design is the big fact um mm-hmm. when i'm when i'm a bison and i'm having a drink at the creek then mm-hmm. uh i'm in a live situation um mm-hmm. i'm it's, there's nothing objective about any of that i'm having a drink i'm, I'm going to try to avoid anyone who's trying to kill me uh, mm-hmm. And I need to get that drink because if I don't drink in the next 48 hours, I'll be dead or I won't be able to feed my car or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so so that's knowledge embodied. Mm-hmm. And, and um, that it's knowledge embodied and it's knowledge that is purposive. And, mm-hmm. I think, and I think, you know, talking about teleology, which is not just purposive, but it sort of implies some external purposes or it does to some people and it implies an end. Well, mm-hmm. most of our own experiences of purposes are that they are not ends, they're, they're temporary purposes, like I need mm-hmm. to have dinner, I need to go to sleep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then we invent purposes, you know, by mm-hmm. going to church or deciding on, you know, on humanistic, you know, what we want our life to stand for or whatever. Mm-hmm. But... Uh, the really urgent stuff may not be teleological, but it certainly is purposive. And mm-hmm. so what's this all about? Well, that means that if we think that just by measuring stuff, that makes us scientific. No, it doesn't. Mm-hmm. And if we are scientific about, if we are scientific, if we observe what, if we scientifically observe what happens when people try to accomplish something and do accomplish something, mm-hmm. they construct their knowledge in order to accomplish it, not in mm-hmm. some, not as some objective set of facts, mm-hmm. and yeah. that, and that's largely absent from our systems of government. I mean, we we train engineers and so on, but we know people are not really very well aware of this. They think mm-hmm. of knowledge as this abstracted and and pristine thing, this thing that is not saturated in human purposes mm-hmm. and, and a product of human purposes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, if conditioned that, by- and if we understood that, my argument is we do a lot better in building government programs and doing all kinds of understanding what our task is in design, in building a good school, for instance. Mm-hmm. So can you kind of walk me through, so how, how would that maybe change how we would set up a particular government program, a school? Yeah, or let's a- talk about a school. Let's talk about mm-hmm. a school. So mm-hmm. I think what it does is it takes us – um, it sort of takes us towards a more, um, a more well, it takes us much closer to the methods of anthropology than to mm-hmm. natural science. I'm designing a school. I'm, in fact, what I'll do, I'll be, yeah, so, so I'm designing a school and I will see if our editor can put in to the, to, to our, um, uh, see if our editor can put into this, um, at this point in our discussion, mm-hmm. a picture. And the picture is a guy lying in bed with a thermometer in his mouth and a camcorder uh, okay. held in his hand. Now, what mm-hmm. do you think he's doing? What do you think he's doing? Um, I'm not sure. He's checking his a thermometer he, in his mouth and a camcorder in his... Yeah, he's a designer oh, he, and, he's, he, and he's a designing a hospital. Okay. Uh-huh. Okay. So he's trying to notice mm-hmm. what... Uh, he's trying to notice the hospital, to experience the hospital from the okay. patient's point of view. Perspective. So okay. when, he gets, 
And when he gets back to the office and he puts the camcorder video and watches mm-hmm. what's on the video, what do you think's on the video? Roofs. The roofs, There's yeah. There's nothing on them uh, right. except lights and vents. Yeah. And he thinks, oh, I hadn't really thought about that before. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and, and you could, you, I mean, I won't dwell on this because our readers aren't Polanyi specialists like yeah, you yeah. are, but you can see that Polanyi would be kind of turned on by this because he's mm-hmm. thinking of science as the, pro, the the most important thing about science is the creative act, the noticing act, the questioning mm-hmm. act, the, the synthesizing act. Mm-hmm. And so that's what... And so if you think of knowledge as embodied, if you think of knowledge as ultimately purposive, mm-hmm. then uh, don't just go get a camcorder and show me lots of pictures of hospitals. You could have an amazing amount of information about hospitals, videos about hospitals, tables of, you know, how many patients go through mm-hmm. and all the rest of it. But you have to, but if you want to make a hospital that is good for patients, which most people would agree is a good thing for a hospital to be, mm-hmm. you have to build that knowledge. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and it's entirely likely that all of the knowledge that you have about hospitals isn't built like that. Mm-hmm. It's like going out and building a bridge with a whole bunch of tables about the structural strength of materials mm-hmm. when there are a million other questions about how you stick the materials together and whether mm-hmm. they work in the cold and the wet and, mm-hmm. and, and what, whether you can paint them and what they're next to. And, and yeah. all of this stuff has to be constructed. Yeah. Um, and we're not, we don't, we don't, we don't think about that. We kind of know it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if if you pointed out, people think you haven't pointed out anything. But mm-hmm. I think you've pointed out a great deal. And mm-hmm. so if we designed our schools by thinking about noticing, thinking that mm-hmm. noticing, documenting, testing, varying around little things that you notice, mm-hmm. and you become knowledgeable about. Um, about this thing that you're trying mm-hmm. to make better um, mm-hmm. rather than say, well, here's a person with a PhD in education and he's mm-hmm. going to, he's going to, he's the expert on this and he's going to sort things out for you. Yeah. I made my case rather well. <laughs> yeah. I, as you were, as you were talking, I, I thought of a, a humorous example that maybe might fall on the, uh, on the South side of, of the political correctness um, for some people, but an architect friend of, of mine who um, designed the uh, or had a hand in designing the uh, bus stops here in San Francisco um, mentioned. I think he was talking about the bus stops, but he, he might have been talking about some other project he worked on. He uh, talking about materials and the type of knowledge that that I think you're getting at. He said you you have to take into account the chemical effects of bum piss. <laughs> On certain parts of the structure, i.e., places where you know people are going to go relieve themselves. Ah, yeah, like yeah. there's a little tucked yeah, away you area. Have bum. You have this word "bum." You mean homeless uh, people? Yeah, really. yeah, 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 yeah. Though, though, I, I, I think plenty of people with homes have <laughs> relieved themselves in yeah, a variety yeah, of of, yeah, of, of yeah. places as yeah. well. But, but I remember chuckling yeah. at the time it was mentioned yeah. in passing yeah, and thinking like I never would have thought of that yeah 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 well, as I a relevant yeah I was speaking to the state librarian in Victoria so a woman who ran the state library of Victoria Victoria is mm-hmm. one of the state you know Melbourne's the second biggest city will soon be the mm-hmm. biggest um, and she said one of the main issues this is quite a good example actually one of the main 
an important issue for her is, of course, that homeless people want to sleep in mm-hmm. the library and they right. come in and they loiter, it's warm and all the rest of it. Yeah. Now, Melbourne's a relatively warm place compared with various places in the United States, but it's roughly uh, San Francisco's yeah. weather and San Francisco <laughs> gets cold and gets so does cold, Melbourne. Yeah. Um, and so I'd actually... Well, this is actually one of the things I'd thought about as far as innovation in government is concerned mm-hmm. when you notice something and the instinct in government is to say, we're a library, we don't, we can't deal with this. Mm-hmm. And, and that's generally what people were doing. And I was quite surprised that this woman said to me that she didn't do that and mm-hmm. that she reached out to various homeless providers and mm-hmm. located herself in an ecology of helping homeless people. It didn't involve them invading the state library but it right. did but it did mean that the certain you know they sort of looked out for them they provided yeah. some advice for them uh they they uh uh communicated with homeless services providers yeah. and so on um and that again is, yeah that's great yeah um and you know that's what we want and mm-hmm. uh manage yeah and here's another <laughs> here's another of my bugbears, which is that both management and economics don't really think very much about, I mean, they're very comfortable with saying, all right, well, this is what this does. And if and it, we obviously have to have divisions of labor and demarcations, and that's it. And of course, I agree, we do have to have divisions of labor mm-hmm. and demarcations, but maybe that's not it. Maybe when you notice stuff, you put it in your in-tray, you don't let it upend what you're doing. But you nevertheless, especially if you're a government organisation, you mm-hmm. nevertheless try to make yourself useful if you can in a relatively cost-effective way. Um, mm-hmm. Anyway, there you are. Yeah. No, I mean, one maybe one element of kind of what you're getting at is a certain openness to improvisation. Yeah. Yeah. As you sort out, as you sort out what the real ramifications of what you thought you yeah. thought your original purpose was yes. and you say oh yeah. well actually okay well so we built this library but it's a warm public space and so yeah. it's attractive yeah. to this population but it's not really designed to provide those services so we need to expand not- our you yeah. know um yeah that's I, that that all seems seems interesting so th- this makes sense it, to me it has to it has to honor the kind of cost effectiveness of the original mission and you may mm-hmm. end up saying look by the way i think we should split into two things or we mm-hmm. should you should give us some more money and then we will actually develop a program mm-hmm. the the idea is that you have good communication up and down the hierarchy so that you mm-hmm. have a responsive system rather than a system in which we just sort of pump out these blocks of activity and if something doesn't fit into them it's just too bad mhm mhm anyway yeah yeah well, that seems to also connect to your interest in Toyota's. It does. It does methods yeah. of of production right on the factory line and and so on and so forth. Um, I, uh, and I think that's probably because that's such another good juicy topic. We should probably uh, draw a line under our conversation here, and maybe we can talk. It'd be fun to talk about some of the implications of Toyota. Um, mm-hmm. And I was always frustrated that Polanyi had. I mean, he hadn't seen it. But he wasn't. He doesn't say much that's interesting. But some philosophers adjacent to him, like um, the still with us, Alistair McIntyre, um, mm-hmm. have have uh, clearly seen in in Toyota something very attractive, uh, as mm-hmm. I do. 
Um, so why don't we adjourn at this point and we'll um, take up either that or some other interesting topic in the future. Sounds good. Thanks, Sounds Martin. good. Thanks. Yeah.